So we've got a serious problem that, that we need to address. And I literally just addressed it five seconds ago and I, I hit the record button because I said, we got to stop talking about baseball before we start recording because we get all these thoughts out there. We bounce shit off of each other and we've got like no idea why we're not just giving it to you. So here we are giving it to you on the Just Baseball Show, Tuesday, November 8th. Um, this is what episode two post season. Uh, but here we are, man. I, we start the what if game and this is perfect. Jack, Peter fucking love hypotheticals, love hypotheticals. And I think that's where we're at our best is when we say, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? This is what we predict will happen. That's why the off season coverage, especially over at JustBaseball.com, We'd like to say it on the just baseball show. I think we do a killer job, but there are. 20 writers over here at JustBaseball.com that are putting out article after article, giving you all that you need to know. We have off-season outlooks. We have free agent profiles all on the website. And now Jack and I like to talk it out. So in this episode, we're going to be talking shortstops, the shortstop market. But the only reason sometimes where I like to talk a little bit of pre-record is sometimes you ambush me with just random things and you say, all right, I'm going to I'm going to tee you up for something and then you just press the record button and I'm just waiting here and I can't give you a prepared statement, which no. is probably a good thing yeah, for I our listeners cuz it there's it a reason on my I toes, do that. But Let's it, be honest. But you put me in a corner. You put me in a corner. Okay, but how do you get out of the corner? That's the big question and I think that's what makes great radio, is it not? You're right. It, no, you're right. You're right. You are right. But just to talk about what you were saying, we talked maybe for 3 minutes. Maybe. Yeah, we don't really catch up anymore. Like, I don't really yeah. know what's going on in Peter's personal life. All I know is his thoughts on Xander Bogarts versus Dansby Swanson. But we're going to work backwards pretty much in terms of pedigree. So we're going to go Dansby Swanson, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner on this episode. And, and here we are, man. We've got a star shortstop and three superstar shortstops, in my opinion. And Dansby, if he puts together another year like this year, could become a superstar. But before we get into the actual shortstop nitty-gritty individual conversations, you're exactly right. What we love to do, managing editor Ryan Finkelstein and myself, along with Aram Layton, who obviously, you know, the the head you honcho at just you know right. The czar. <laughs> um yeah, what we do is like we love master lists and we promise one-stop shopping when it comes to baseball. There is one-stop shopping within one-stop shopping. At JustBaseball.com, on the homepage, you can find at the top, the top 20 MLB 2022-2023 free agents. You click on that. You get a teensy synopsis of each of the top 20. But if you click on the hyperlinked name, you will get a full 500-word at least write-up on how they got to free agency what their contract may look like, potential suitors for that free agent, and an honest prediction of where that guy will end up for how many years and how many, how much money. So, and all those predictions are going to be right, which is going to yes, be awesome. Yes, exactly. I mean, we already had Brandon Nimmo going to the Rockies, and, and now it, it looks Fire. like that could be a done deal, which That's is wild. awesome. That's so, wild. That's so cool. <laughs> Uh, so we've got that going on. We also have MLB team offseason outlooks for all 30 teams. We've got about 20 done right now. We're shooting for 30 by the end of the week. So the, this is just an insane crop of talented writers that we have who just love diving into teams in a unique way and players in a unique way. And uh, I, I think this is the best thing you can do. Um, if you've got 20 minutes to kill and learn all about free agency, Go click on a couple of hyperlinks on these guys' names, and, and you'll figure out what's going on. You'll have the lowdown on these guys and these teams. And an insane crop of information on JustBaseball.com, but we got to talk about this insane crop of shortstops. I don't remember an offseason where, you know, we've had offseasons where the entire free agent crop 
is incredible this season included. I mean, we're talking about shortstops in this episode, but you have Aaron Judge, you have Jacob DeGrom, you have Brandon Nimmo. You have plenty of really, really good players that are due to be free agents and are due for enormous paydays. But in this episode, we're focusing on one position. And I think when is the last time we've had a free agent class with one position this stack? Do you know? Not since I've been closely following that. So I guess seven years, eight years. I don't remember. Like off the top of my head, I'm sure if we did the math and research, we could find it. But no. And these are some of the best shortstops in the game. It's not just a loaded crop at the shortstop position. It's you can make an argument that these four shortstops take up the top five shortstops in Major League Baseball. Yes. Um, the the other two that I think we're missing right now are Tatis and Francisco Lindor. Of course. Um, who else? Nico Horner. Yeah. Not like yeah. not even that kidding that much. Elvis Andrews. That guy. Elvis Andrews. Who is um, a free agent. Oh my god. Isaiah, Isaiah Connor Falefa. Yes. Yes. Jose Iglesias, another free agent. Um no, but I mean, we've got we've got like this four headed monster here in Dansby, Xander, Correa, and Trey Turner. And what I love about contract structure in baseball, it's one of my favorite things to look at. I I go on Spot Track so more than like so weird. I, dude, I check Spot Track more than I probably check my email, which is just nuts. But um, baseball contract structure is evolving, and you've got a mixed bag. Trey mm-hmm. Turner and Dansby Swanson are traditional free agents. They just wrapped up their arbitration years. They've accrued their six years of major league service time. And now they hit the open market looking for a payday. How about a player option after a one plus one deal for Carlos Correa that he opted out of in hopes of getting a more lucrative, longer term deal. And then how about Xander Bogarts who had a vesting option here? He had an opt out after this year that would have, um, if he did opt in, it would have kicked in through the 2025 season. I think with with a vesting option for 2026, um, if he hit a certain number of plate appearances with the Red Sox. So you've got three different cases in these four guys, two traditional free agents, a player opt out and another opt out that a guy's opting out of multiple years. As 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 contracts get more creative, we will see more loaded free agent classes which is really good for the MLB offseason and really good for the sport of baseball. That's a good point. I didn't think of it like that. With the new contracts, this is only going to help grow the game because you're going to see these guys consistently be on the market. But at the same time, how often do you think that we'll see Correa contracts happen? I feel like sometimes, I mean, you know, we could see more of those. Um, especially with Boris, you know, being, you know, such a big influence in this. Yes. But tying back to your point, you have to be really good to get a Correa type contract. Right. And two guys are going to get Correa type deals. Now, Corey Seager just got one last year. Francisco Lindor got one the, the year before that, as did Fernando Tatis Jr. Now well, we're talking about Correa, the three year, 105 with opt outs. Oh, oh, we'll see. But I I'm thinking like, I'm thinking 10 year deals for shortstops. Like it's Tatis Lindor. Uh, Seager, and then it's Correa Turner. Who else would you give a 10-year deal to? I don't think anybody. So so we're done. J.P. Crawford? Yeah, he got five for 51. <laughs> Not quite 10. Not quite 10. Um, yeah, but like I think we'll see some one-plus-one deals. I think that could be very beneficial for a guy like Xander Bogarts. You know for damn sure we're going to see it with a guy like Justin Verlander or Jacob deGrom, and we'll get into uh, their situation a little bit later on, um, probably – honestly this week, but I mean, dude, this shortstop class has a chance to get four long-term massively, massive lucrative contracts. Let's get into it. Dansby Swanson. Let's start with Dansby. Um, I did this right up here. The way that I kind of looked at it was this guy had a breakout of all breakout campaigns. Mm -hmm. His, Career high in F4, which he set last year, was 3.4. I think he put up a 6.4 this year. So he was three wins better than his career year. You talk about contract years. Aaron Judge had probably the best contract year of all time 
Carlos Correa last year probably had the second best contract year of all time. And now look at Dansby Swanson, who had a damn good contract year and one of the better contract years we've seen in recent memory. The way I view it for him is there are two different types of negotiations that will happen between he and his reps at Excel Sport Management and Major League Baseball teams. Dansby Swanson, Excel, and the Braves are going to have a different conversation than Dansby and Excel and the rest of Major League Baseball. He is an Atlanta boy. He's from Kennesaw. He went to high school in Marietta, Georgia. He got traded to the Braves. He spent his entire year with the Atlanta Braves. He won a World Series with his hometown team. You know that he's not going to demand the money that he would demand from everybody else from his hometown team that has become his permanent home. So how does that change the contract structure? And we'll get a little bit deeper into that. What were your main takeaways from reading this? That's a good question. My main takeaways um, from the Dansby article was how high floor that he is. That's why when I'm looking at this free agent shortstop crop, I'm very comfortable giving Dansby Swanson a long-term deal. Because, you know, we talk about how this was Dansby's coming out, you're right. And, you know, it's it's it was on me kind of because I gave Dansby going into this year kind of the average shortstop barometer, which is not an indictment on Dansby Swanson. It's more of a testament to the overall position that how loaded it is that a guy like Dansby Swanson, who in the past may have a 750 OPS, maybe he's like a 108. OPS plus guy um, over his last couple of seasons um, that he would be a guy who who you'd want to invest in. Um, but really what I found from Dansby, like in 2020, for example, he was he finished 18th in MVP voting. I know it was a shortened season, but he was still a very solid player. And not only is Dansby so high floor because we know about the defense, but because he has missed two games in the last three years. And yes, that includes a 2020 shortened season, but 162 and 160 games. So Dansby is a guy, especially 28 years old, and it's also the intangibles of Dansby Swanson, right? Seems like such a leader. And he finally found it. He was a number one overall pick out of Vanderbilt for a reason and now the bat is finally starting to come into play so the biggest takeaway I got is of all the short stops maybe I'm not the most comfortable because he's being compared to Trey Turner and Carlos Correa but when I compare him to Xander Bogarts I would rather give him the money even though Bogarts has proved it year over year over year so the way I went into the contract projection was trying to find precedent. And you kind of see it with Javier Baez and Trevor Story, who signed identical years, six years, $140 million. Story with the Red Sox, Baez with the Tigers. But I thought Dansby should get paid more than that. He's better than Baez and Story. And I know hindsight 2020, like those guys both kind of stunk it up in 2022. But even then, I feel better about the incredibly high floor of Dansby Swanson, like you're saying, and the intangibles that just ooze out of his ass, as opposed to the boomer bust nature of Trevor Story and Javier Baez. So I then looked to second base. And, and the two precedents that I found were Jose Altuve, who signed seven years, $163 million, but granted Altuve was already a superstar at this time. And Marcus Semyon. Semyon was the one that I really settled on. Semyon signed it when he was 30 years old, so two years older than Dansby will sign his contract at. But Semyon is coming off of a year in which he hit 45 bombs and yeah. finished third in AL MVP voting. So you, you got to knock it down a little bit. But here's what I'll say. Marcus Semien plays second base. Is he a gold glover at second base? Yes. But this was that pop-up year for Semien where he came out of nowhere and was incredible. Sounds a lot like Dansby, right? Pop-up year. Came out of nowhere. It was incredible. He was always good. Like Semien was always a good He did hitter. have that 2019 year where he also went nuclear. Yeah, but then he dipped in 2020. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. So like it's it, it was it was tough for, for Marcus Semien to see that number and say, yeah, totally worth it. Dansby Swanson is going to be a really good defensive shortstop and a leader for the next six years, seven years. So the way I looked at it is 
if you are a team not named the Atlanta Braves, Dansby Swanson can put seven years, 175 in front of you and say, match that or we're done talking. I believe that. No, I believe in that too. And um, and just speaking about the intangibles, because we know about his leadership, we know about his influence in the locker room. We know that, you know, he's becoming like the captain on a Braves team that is a perennial World Series favorite. And I think that that will be pretty impactful in contract negotiations. But we're talking about intangibles. Like there are players who not settle with their talent, but I'm sure there are players in, in the big leagues that, you know, have all this pop and are really quick and and they think to themselves, well, I don't need to improve that much, but that just wasn't Dansby Swanson. I was looking at um, defensive highlights with Colby. We were looking at some film because we were, we were thinking to ourselves, like how did he become so freaking good at shortstop? And if you look at some of the stats, right, some of the advanced stats, and obviously the, those don't tell the full story, but you can see like massive improvements on some sides. Like for example, Dansby Swanson coming in on the ball like a little a little nubber hit. He wasn't as quick, quick getting to that ball. This year, he was unbelievable when it comes to the numbers. The backhand wasn't as good. The arm wasn't as good, but everything improved. And you know that Dansby Swanson took a look at that, and he thought, well, I'm having a solid season. He could have just said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to keep working on my overall craft. But he fixed individual things that weren't going right for him, and I think that speaks to the level of baseball player even if he goes on short little slumps or he's going to put in the work day in, day out to improve on his shortcomings to make him one of the most well-rounded shortstops in the game. And he did it. And it came in droves this year. Like, I, will he ever have a 6.4 F4 season? I wouldn't put it past him. But even if he doesn't, like, let's say you 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 take the middle ground of some of those three, four win seasons and compare it to the six. Like, if he's a four and a half, five war player, he is well worth the money when you consider the off-field intangibles. I believe he's a five-win player for the next three years and then a four-win player for the three years after that. I mean, that's a $40 million guy if it's if it's one war for... Or if 1.0 F4 is worth $8 million, that's that's a $40 million player. Now, is he going to get $40 million? No. 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 But does he deserve an absolute bag? Absolutely. Yes. So here were the landing spots that I threw out. Atlanta, we don't need to get into that. Like Dansby Swanson is the shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. I agree. I want you to talk about the hometown thing too because it's something I didn't know. So he, the way that I kind of broke it down in here was Alex Anthopoulos, like when we talk about the Atlanta Braves, it is always – pre-arbitration, long-term, mutually beneficial deals. Like, hey, maybe a guy is underpaid, but maybe they're overpaid by the end of it, right? Like, there is, there's a 50-50 chance that we're saying Michael Harris was drastically overpaid by the end of this deal, but there's also a 50-50 chance that Michael Harris cheated himself out of $50 million by the end of this maybe deal. More. But you know what? That's, that's a bet that these guys are willing to take on themselves because Michael Harris still has over a hundred million dollars guaranteed to him pretty much. And he's locked up and he likes this place. He's going to do it. Same with Austin Riley, same with Spencer Strider. They constantly do this. We saw Acuna and Albies as the first mover here. The only exception to that was the Matt Olson trade this past off season when they were having conversations with Freddie Freeman and everybody was saying, I remember you saying it verbatim. There's no shot Freddie isn't an Atlanta Brave next year after they won the Verbatim. Absolutely said. I said there was Verbatim. no fucking way he's leaving. But because of all the murmurs, right? The murmurs kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. And then all of a sudden, bam, Alex Anthopoulos trades for Matt Olson. Mm -hmm. Then you know Freddie, the, the Freddie thing is over. He's going to go somewhere else. Matt Olson, really good somewhere else. But guess what? AA knew that he could get him on this hometown discount, signed him to eight years, 168, because he's from Atlanta. He was committed to Vandy. He wanted to stay close. He's coming home. So I think Dansby has much of the same thought as Matt Olson, where, hey, I could go get the same AAV as Freddie Freeman's going to get in free agency when my time is up. Um, Olson, I think, got... Two more million dollars, but across two more years. So the AAV is down like 
six mil a year or something like mm-hmm. that. So I, I think Matt Olson knew that he could get more money, but it's kind of awesome to be the first baseman for your hometown team. I think it's kind of awesome for Dansby Swanson to be the shortstop of his hometown team for his entire career. That's something I didn't know about Dansby. I didn't know he was, you know, a Georgia native. Um, obviously, I knew the Vandy stuff, and I know that's close, but um, I didn't realize that he's kind of grown up here. And um, I mean, who knows if, I mean, I don't know, maybe he is, and some listeners of the Just Baseball Show can clear it up, or maybe you can, um, if he was a Braves fan growing up. Um, so I'm sure like when they have those conversations, you know, if he gets the same offer or even a little bit more, because at the same time too, like, you know, this was part of Freddie Freeman's, you know, when he realized that, you know, in LA, you got to pay some taxes. Like there are some taxes involved with some of these deals. Like if you sign with New York or you sign in California, um, you know, you got to pay a lot in tax and, and in Atlanta, not as much. So it's hard to see him outside of a Braves uniform. And I think the only way he doesn't is if he either gets absolutely blown out of the water by another team. That's, That's it. it. I, yeah, I don't know how else. I was gonna maybe give you another one. No, but if somebody no, if somebody yeah. said we'll give you two hundred million dollars, he says yes to that. Aside from that, I'm not sure what he says yes to. I think it would have to be more. I mean, think about it. If you get, um, eh, we'll see. I mean, that could be a lot more than he gets. But you wrote the article. Um, let's talk about some of the suitors before we give like a contract predi- prediction. Yeah, Baltimore. I think he fits in really well in Baltimore. Yeah. And Baltimore fans or maybe fans of other teams are thinking to themselves when they hear the Orioles, like, wait, what do you mean? Gunnar Henderson is playing shortstop. Well, Gunnar Henderson can move over to third base. And then you also think to yourself, well, well what about Jorge Mateo? But you wrote it beautifully in the article. He maybe could be more well used by the Orioles if he kind of plays a Swiss army knife, right? Best utility guy in baseball, Mateo. Exactly. He's a freak athlete. But again, he, you know, he was a gold glove award winner. Or I know, but should have been. If you can get stop. Dansby fucking Swanson to be your everyday shortstop, you're going to go get Dansby. And he actually won a gold glove too. Yeah, Regardless exactly. of whatever it was deserved. Yeah. You're not, you're not dropping off there. And I think he, if it's great on the Orioles too, because they are such a young team and not only has Dansby been kind of a captain esque on a very young team, like the Braves were, but he could go into Baltimore and kind of give that championship pedigree, a player that they would need. And Mike Elias, I mean, you wrote it yourself. He's going to, he's going to expand the payroll and that could be for Dansby Swanson. Said, quote, he wants to significantly escalate the payroll. Next one is the Angels. I really like that fit because of the lack of durability on this team. They have the most durable guy in baseball in Shoei Otani, but it, this is a Which DH is crazy to say. Yeah, but, crazy. Like, it's, but, he's just amazing. He's incredible. He's an alien life form, but he is a DH that pitches every fifth day. But you've got Mike Trout, who we know has dealt with injury things. Anthony Rendon, who can't stay on the field to save his life. How much money would the Angels throw at Dansby Swanson to play 162 games in a given season? And they need a shortstop too. But like, are you kidding me? I mean, they do have Zach Neto coming up, um, who could be that guy there. But he's going to yeah, start in Double A. Like, he's not ready next year. I know, but like, they have to get pitching, Jack. You got one more year. More hitters. You know, if Dansby goes to the Angels, if he goes anywhere else, he's going to be great. If he goes to the Angels, he's getting hurt. Like, unfortunately. Damn. <laughs> like damn it um but the angels next year are gonna be so good yeah great. Trout. best team in baseball yeah. um Fuck. The, the dodgers are the next one like they, they're always going to be in on a big on a big fish and if they don't go after turner or correa like they're going to go after xander and dansby yeah and freddie is you know i know freddie was at the beginning maybe considering you know did i make the right move he seemed to be very happy in la I know that if the Dodgers have an offer on the table, Dansby's going to give Freddie a call and be like, how, much, how do you like it there? And it's hard to think that Freddie gives him anything but rave reviews. I think the Dodgers, although shouldn't be a sleeper, kind of are, but definitely should be one of the front runners. Yeah. And, and then the last one is San Francisco. And San Francisco is in a position to spend. They've got Brandon Crawford on the books for one more year. But you mm-hmm. don't want to miss out on this shortstop crop if you genuinely feel like you need a shortstop. And I think they might be pressing to find that that heir to the Brandon Crawford throne. 
I agree. And Anthony Swanson even kind of looks like Brandon Crawford. Yeah. I don't know if Giants fans will be able to tell the difference. Um, But yeah, the Giants have have said that they are in on Aaron Judge. So that means they have money to spend. And with a lot of expiring contracts coming off the books, like Jock Peterson and potentially Carlos Rodon and and a couple of others, they have the money to do so. Like, I expect the Giants to be major players in this market. And Dansby Swanson could be that guy for me. Feels like he could be a Giant. But... I've got Dansby going back to Atlanta, seven years, 158. Um, I said I was I was enticed to give him an identical deal to Matt Olson, eight years, 168, because shortstop is a more premium position than first base. But Olson was three years younger than, than Swanson at time of signing. So I'm going to knock it back $10 million, knock it back a year. This takes him through his age 35 season. Um Shit, man! I'll take seven for one fifty-eight for my hometown team. I think it's I think it's a great deal, and I think you're right on track there. And people may be wondering, well, if he is this good, why is he only making seven years for one fifty-eight? Even though seven years for one fifty-eight is a lot, you, we said it in the pre-record in our three minutes of talking. He just hasn't done it enough, and it's not that you know he's been bad before this. It's just he's never put up a 6.4 F4 season besides last year. I'm sure teams are going to go into the negotiating room being like, we love Dansby and he deserves the world, but there is always that that crutch that these teams can lean on saying, you've only done it really once. I mean, you've had good years, not one of the best shortstop in baseball type years. So I think you're pretty on the money personally. I'd give him more money. I think he deserves more money. But to your point, I think that's pretty on par. And I think the Braves, like, what? <laughs> we, I was dead wrong about Freddie leaving Atlanta, and I'm ready to be dead wrong again about Dansby. Yeah. It's, again, it's really hard to see Dansby Swanson in a jersey that isn't the Atlanta Braves. But it's it's an identical conversation to the Freddie Freeman one. I know it's like uh, it's like, um, you know, you give a kid a piece of candy and maybe they're allergic or something to a strawberry flavor and then you hand it back to them. And you're like, you want another one? And yeah, it's that's delicious. And it's like, yeah, tastes good. And it's like, yes. well, I, it's good. Like, I'm going to eat it again. It's it's like people eating ice cream that are lactose intolerant. Like, f- I don't care. Yeah, I'm going to rough this thing out. Yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. Yep. Are you kidding me? I'm going to I'm. it's worth it. Let, let's ride it's um, worth the bowel movements. Yeah, easy. Uh, all right, let, let's jump to Xander Bogarts here. Bogarts, 30 years old, just turned 30 on October 1st. Uh, I have no idea where he's at in his relationship with the Boston Red Sox. And we'll get to that after we give you the primer on Xander. But, you know, this is a guy that um, felt disrespected by the extension proposals that were put in front of him at points this year. He straight up stopped negotiating with the Boston Red Sox and Heimblum. Um, and, and now Xander just opted out of the rest of his deal in hopes of getting a more lucrative deal. He opted out of $20 million annually through 2025 and a vesting option at $25 million in 2026, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a guy looking for well north of $20 million annually. Uh, and he he's probably looking for a lot longer than a four-year deal. I think he's going to get it. Um, how do you view Xander Bogarts in the value department? Xander is one of the tougher free agents to evaluate, I think, in recent memory. Because you look at his offensive resume incredible. as one of incredible, like, if if we're just looking at the stats here, just just to quantify what he's been able to do in his career, he's a 117 OPS plus guy who's hitting 292 with with plenty of home runs, stolen bases. Um, he's got one, two, three, four silver sluggers. He's finished in the MVP conversations a bunch of times, multiple time All Star. Um, plenty of years hitting over 300, like. Just one of the best overall offensive shortstops that we've had in our game since he debuted back in 2013 as a 20-year-old. And he's never really had, you know, one of those seasons where you think to yourself, uh, 
like, for example, from 2018 when he was a 25-year-old where he was really hitting his prime, 135 OPS plus, 2019, 139 OPS plus, 128, 129, and then 131. So nobody is worried about the bat but he will be 30. And I think, you know, Xander Bogart's got a lot of praise this year and deservedly so for the defense. But as beautifully illustrated in in the um, in the article that you and Colby wrote, and, you know, Colby is a Red Sox fan, and he's the one writing this, that Bogart's defense benefited from the shift last season. And this is from at Red Sox stats. Weird quirk about Bogart's great stack cast defensive metrics this season. Position as a shortstop, minus one outs above average. Position as a second baseman, plus five outs above average. Position as a third baseman, plus one outs above average. Now that the shift is being kicked out of baseball, he's going to have to man the shortstop position, where historically Bogarts has not been very good. And as he ages, he is only going to get worse because father time is undefeated. We also have some not great stat cast hitting data. If we're looking at Woba versus X Woba, which is your quality of contact, the X Woba, which is your expected Woba, which takes into account like launch angle hard hit rates, exit velocity, all that different kind of stuff was much lower than the Wobo, which would basically point to that a lot of his hits might have been a bit luckier than other hitters. They're monster balls. He is the king of the monster ball. The, exactly. He's the king of the rising liner that hits the middle of the monster, caroms back. That's why he's a 40-double guy on a yearly basis. And 30 years old is is kind of a sticking point in baseball he included the graph that's why you guys got to go check out these articles over at justbaseball.com. and i don't want to take any credit for this because this is all from colby and jack like on an age curve this is given by fangraphs from 2011 to 2020 you can see wrc plus just begins to kind of fall off a cliff historically after you turn the age of 30 now but i'm not really worried about bogart's bat i'm more worried about how valuable that bat is at the shortstop position when as he gets older and slower, when the range metrics are already not that good, paying him a ton of money more than a Dansby Swanson for his age 30. Xander Bogarts feels like the definition of I'm paying you for what you did, not paying you for what you will be. That's why as a team, I am very hesitant to give Xander Bogarts a long-term deal. If I'm a GM and my owner is saying, we need Xander Bogarts for whatever reason, because he deserves the money. He has been an incredible hitter now for what seems like a decade, and he deserves the money. But I would go up to Xander Bogarts, and I would say, if you want to be a hard team, I would give him like a four-year contract worth like $35 million or $40 million even, because in those four years, I know that the bat is going to give there. I know you're giving me the raise eyebrow in terms of, that's a lot of money. And I agree. Maybe it is too much money. Maybe I'm being too much here, but that's how I would position. If I am a team giving him a seven-year deal, I am very scared. Not that he doesn't deserve a long-term contract for what he's done. It's what he will do is what I'm most concerned about. So first of all, that was a bar. Uh, he's going to get paid for what he did and not what he will do. That's Did Kendrick write that? Um the the other thing is I kind of see Xander in his early 30s as a third baseman. Is that out of bounds? It's not out of bounds, but when you consider the offensive output at shortstop position compared to the third base position, it gets a little worse. And But he's 300 with position, 40 doubles. Yes, but the doubles has a lot to do with Fenway. And, you know, he knows how to play that park. If we're looking at quality of contact, that's what I'm saying. Like, if he goes into neutral fields, it's not quite as good. And the OPS plus numbers, I mean, 130 is 130. Regardless, I'm not trying to take anything away from Xander. I feel bad because it feels like in my statements, I'm saying that, like, Xander Bogarts is not a very good hitter. He is a very, very good hitter. And I agree. If you move him over to third base, but how good of a defender is he going to be at third base? Because the third base position is full of donkeys that are insane defenders. Like, is Xander Bogarts going to go over to third base and be Nolan Arenado defensively? No, no. Is he going to be Matt no. Chapman defensively? But he's not as good a hitter as Nolan Arenado still. He's not a good hitter, in my opinion, as some of the other of these guys. But I agree with you. If you are paying him to be a third baseman, that's one thing. But at the same time, 
does Xander Bogarts want to be paid to play third base for the rest of his career? I don't think that he does. He has came out and said, I want to play shortstop. I, I think he is a shortstop. I I do think that he will play shortstop for the team that he signs with. However, I think that, you know, we'll be having that conversation. Like, can you move Xander to third base? I don't know. Um, Colby's got the contract prediction for Bogarts at six years, 178, which is 29.7 annually. I really like that. I think it's pretty accurate. I I'm scared. So I'd be scared. But let's talk about who can do it. The Boston Red Sox after again, John Henry sells Liverpool. They can do it. Uh, the question is, will Heim Bloom shut it down? And and I've got but, no idea. But that's kind of breaking news, though. Like John Henry is there. They're put Liverpool on the market. Yeah, no, like he might Devers and Bogarts. He might have, he might have like Red Sox money to spend. He might be looking at the 2026 free agent pool and saying, "I need this Liverpool money." Um, hopefully, Red Sox fans are shouting in happiness after hearing that. Oh, they had to be the biggest Chelsea fans on the on the planet. Like, you sell the squad, man. Sell it. You got Sadio Mane over to Bayern. You, you got to get out of there, John. Come on, man. Um, but Boston, Colby has Boston as a landing spot. I personally, I and I said it to you guys a couple days ago, I think if Bogarts opted out of that deal, the bridge is burned with him and the Boston Red Sox. I don't see Xander Bogarts in a Boston Red Sox uniform next year. Hmm. His market, I just, <laughs> this is why this is the hardest, because you're right, but at the same time, like, don't you think that the Red Sox are going to kind of pony up and do it because they know what they have? And will other teams see what I'm saying and not want to give him the contract that he thinks he deserves? And he's going to go into John Henry's office and say, this is what I deserve. And how could the Red Sox say no after what he's given them? Like, I almost feel the Red Sox are the team to pay him for what he did rather than other teams who Xander Bogarts wasn't on your team. You don't truly know the value of Xander Bogarts that they are going to want to pay him for what they think he will be. Have we not learned over the last two years that the Red Sox don't know the value of Xander Bogarts? You're also not wrong. That's yeah. why this is so hard. I know I'm not <laughs> wrong. That's been made very clear by the Red Sox front office that they don't understand the value of Bogarts and Rafi Devers. Yeah, but if they don't understand, especially Rafi Devers, then they don't understand shit, really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you don't get what Rafael Devers does as one of the best left-handed hitters in baseball, and Xander Bogarts is one of the best right-handed hitters at the shortstop position that we've seen in the decade, then they just simply don't know what they're doing. So, But I still think that the Red Sox are the landing spot. but And it's because also I read the other suitors, and I can't see him in anything else but a red hat, like a, a, a Navy hat with the red B on it. So that's probably because he spent his entire career there. I like this one that we're going to talk about. I really like the next one, but this one that we're going to talk about first, Seattle. I, I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in too. I like it. Um, But it's like, this is such not a DePoto move, right? I feel like he's going to see what I'm seeing, and he's going to be like, no, I'm not paying It might guy. be a DePoto move. I don't think it's a DePoto move. Bogarts does not seem like a DePoto move. Swanson seems like a DePoto move, or Trey Turner seems like a DePoto move. Carlos Correa certainly does, too. Bogarts, of all these shortstops, for me, seems like the less likely to go to a super analytically driven team that relies on getting the young guy in a window where it's coming up right now. Like they don't want 33 year old Bogarts when you have 24 year old Julio Rodriguez, right? I don't know. I'm kind of in on it. Yeah. But why though? Why are you so in on it? I'm in on it because like this veteran presence makes a lot of sense to me because who do you have offensively that you can rely on? Gino Suarez right now. J-Rod, obviously, is the star of the show. Ty France is holding down a spot. Cal Raleigh's the catcher. Elsewhere, I mean, every other position is available for upgrade. Mitch Haneker has a spot. Haggerty has, has a spot in the lineup. But aside from that, like, do you feel good about J.P. Crawford being your everyday shortstop and your team leader? If you're signing an everyday shortstop and a team leader, I think that might be the play, and you can move J.P. Crawford over to second. My counterpoint to that would be, 
aren't all the other shortstops veterans at this point. They're not, they ain't signing a, a 25 year old Dansby or a 24 year old Trey Turner or 23 year old Correa. These yeah, guys the are other, all in their late twenties. The other two or $300 million guys like Xander Bogarts while really, really good is still $120 million at least cheaper than Carlos Correa and Trey Turner. So is Dansby. Like I think Dansby is a much more likely destination but there is that Braves. That's why I just keep coming back to the Red Sox as that team that's going to give them the bank. The one that I really, really like is the Baltimore Orioles. I love this fit because we talk about Gunnar Henderson. Yes, he can play short, but he can also play third. Xander Bogarts can play short for the overwhelming majority. If Xander wants to DH one day, if he needs to DH, if he needs to get off his feet one day, Gunner can slide over to short, or you've got Jorge Mateo to play short. Xander can play a little third. Say he plays 20 games at third base. Gunnar Henderson plays 110 games at third base. He plays short for, for 30. Xander plays third for 20, DHs for 10. I think this makes perfect sense because you can mix and match in the infield. You've got no questions in the outfield. You have zero questions behind the plate. Natalie Rutschman, you need to improve the infield and this is an immediate improvement on the infield with ryan mountcastle at first gunner and xander on the left side and whoever the hell you want at second base this is the one this is the one where i think to myself if not boston baltimore there's also some hidden messaging in there right too if you have xander bogart who's upset with boston why not go to the division rival maybe not division rival because it's the Yankees, but it's still within the division kind of get back at your team. You get to play at Fenway where, you know, the team, you get to kind of give some inner secrets over there to Baltimore and you put Gunnar Henderson at shortstop. They don't really have a third baseman. I know they have Ramon Arias who won the gold glove over there at third base and he could be a viable option, but just with the bat, like he only played 84 games over there at third. That's why a lot of people are upset. A lot of people thought Matt Chapman should be the gold glove winner at third base. And honestly, like I just don't care about the gold glove. So I don't want to really get into that, but just regardless, Ramon Arias at third base is very good defensively, but can kind of be used more as a Swiss army knife kind of than use um, a guy like Xander Bogarts over there at third base. And you can kind of mix and match too. slide him over that veteran presence that the Orioles as a young team really need. I think that's the best fit, not only on the field, but also those off the field things that Bogarts could think coming over from Boston and wanting to really get back at them. How do you feel about Philly? I have Philly in mind for another one of these shortstops more than Bogarts or Dansby. Okay, me too. Um, I just don't really see it. I I, I, think I could Philly's- see it. Yeah, I can I see know. it, but with the That's... defense, like they have Bohm over there at third. Yeah, um, I don't think they're going to want to slide over because it's not like Bohm Bohm has made improvements on defense, but they're not going to move Bohm to like. I mean, they could move Bohm to first, I guess. No, um, but yeah, I don't Hoskins know. Yeah, with the first base, I know. But for how long? Like, do you know how long Hoskins' contract is? Um, he's got a couple more years. I just I've. The reason why I'm not saying Philly because I know Phillies fans are like, "Where are us in the shortstop?" The Cardinals also. Cardinals fans are probably like, "Where?" Are what about us in the conversation? I have you all in mind a bit later. Yeah, don't worry. And, and then Minnesota is the other one. Um, I don't really see Xander Bogarts in Minnesota. I wish I wish like, Colby put the Cubs down here. I really do wish. I I'm glad he didn't. The Cubs have Nico Horner. They have a really good shortstop. I am sick of the Cubs being in shortstop conversations. You got him. It's not the Cardinals where we're talking about Mason Wynn and potentially a good prospect. We spoke with Justin Steele, called Nico Horner one of the most underrated players in Major League Baseball. You look at the numbers. Why would you move Nico Horner off the position? Cubs fans, I know you want to be in the sweepstakes. Go get pitching. You got the shortstop. What am I missing here with Nico Horner? Yeah, I think so. I like Xander at third for the Cubs. And, and that's got to be a big conversation with Xander yeah. Bogarts. Like, yeah, true. Patrick true. Wisdom sucks defense. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, yeah. I, okay. I see that. But I'm more thinking in a vacuum, the shortstop position. There are four shortstops here. Like, what about DeGrom on the Cubs or something like that? Like, that's what Cubs fans should be looking at. And you laugh. I mean, it's not Stroman. Like, no, it's, they yeah. will go get pitching. And they need pitching, too. I mean, you can't keep putting Alec Mills out there. Shout out Alec Mills and the curveball. But, like, come on. 
Like I would go after those type of guys or, you know, some outfielders rather than go at the shortstop position where you have one of the best young players on your team at that position already. Kobe has six years, $178 million to the Red Sox. I disagree. Identical contract with the Baltimore Orioles. That's my guess. I'm right in the middle of both of you. I think those are the two teams, and I think that contract is pretty accurate. I would be surprised the Orioles gained that much, but I also wouldn't be shocked. Let's talk Carlos Correa. Correa is the second-best shortstop on the market. He had the opportunity to beat 12 years, 325 that Seeger signed. Is that right? Or is it 10 years, 325? Think, I think it was 10 for 320. I think it was 10. 12, 12 is 12 aggressive. 12 is a lot. So 10 for 325 for Corey Seager with Texas. He had he had the chance to beat that. He had the chance to get close to the 340, 341 mark that Tatis and Lindor set respectively. He did sign the one plus one plus one deal with Minnesota. He opted out after one year. He had a great year. But it wasn't the year that was going to make him a $330 million man. The question is, is he still that $330 million man? Or is he a $270 million man? What do you think? You know, Carlos Correa is a very, very good player. Like, he is deserving of one of the bigger contracts in Major League Baseball. And he's been pretty durable over the past three years. He played 58 games in that shortened season. Of course, it was only 60 games. Then he played 148. Then he played 136 games. So, but the reason, like, for example, Keith Law came out with his top 20 free agents. And Carlos Correa is ranked number one. And he ranked Judge a little bit lower on those rankings due to durability concerns with Judge. But I guess he didn't have those same concerns with Carlos Correa. Like, may I remind you that In 2017, he played 109 games. 2018, he played 110 games. 2019, he played 75 games. Like, he is not Iron Man, right? He is not. But at the same time, Carlos Correa, in terms of the OPS Plus department, went 131 in 2021, then 140 in 2022. Granted, it was in less games, but the power was still there. And although the defensive metrics were down, like I don't put a ton of stock into that. I still think Carlos Correa is one of the best overall defenders in our sport, and it was highlighted by a platinum glove um, in 2021. 21, that's the thing. Yeah. Exactly. But like, what are we taking anything away from? Like, did he lose a step? Like, I don't think that he did. Maybe the numbers would reflect that. And maybe I'm wrong for assuming going against numbers, but it's, I, it didn't look like it. And, you know, maybe that's bad analysis, but I just, I still view him as that incredible defender while putting up between a 130 to 140 OPS plus, and which makes him one of the best shortstops on the market. So if you're asking, do I think he's 270 million or 320 million or whatever that range is, I think he's in that range. And I think it's whatever team is willing to fork it over. Um, But I wouldn't be afraid to give him $300 million. I wouldn't because it's not only that Carlos Correa has now been successful year over year at this point, but when we look at the postseason, right? Like, in six years, over 16 series, first, he's been there, done that. He has an 850 OPS. Like, in wildcard rounds, you know, he's been great. ALDS, like, all throughout everything, he has not only been a great hitter in the regular season, but when the going gets tough and the lights are shining brightest, Carlos Gray is not only as good, for example, so he has an 850 OPS or 849, excuse me. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, in in the regular in the postseason and an 836 yeah. OPS over his career in the regular season. So he only gets better when the lights are shining. Yeah. Like he's about as safe, I think, especially like this year was important, although we missed a couple more games. The offense was there. That's what I was afraid of. Remember when we were talking? like who we think should get more money, Seager or Correa last offseason. I just said, I think that GMs are going to be more willing to give it to Seager because the bat has been so proven. Where with Correa, he's had flashes of it. And in the postseason, we saw those flashes. But when you look at his regular season, like seasons to date, it wasn't always there. But now back-to-back seasons of him being a 
fucking beast at the plate. How can you not give him 300 million? And that's what I wanted to see from him this year. And he did it. I think he did it. The other thing about this year was it was another opportunity to prove durability. And instead he further proved fragility, right? He didn't play close to a full season. Um, he was 136. I mean, if you, if you give me 130 games, like I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I want to, I want a little bit more from, I want a little bit more too. I agree with you, but I guess I don't, I had more injury concerns with him. 136. Like I'll take those aren't as much. I will take it. If it was 110, I think he would be docked a lot. I agree. I think, 136 yeah, I agree. Is, is a fine number. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have no idea if it docked or not. He is also a year older now. I am not sure how it'll go. Christian Crespo is one of our new writers at Just Baseball, and he kicked ass on this career one, write-up. One more thing. He is a year older, but he's a lot. He's younger than a lot of these free agents on the market. Like, he's younger than Dansby. He's younger than Trey. Yes. I think he's the youngest free agent he's on 27? this board. He, yeah, he's 27 right now, but will be 28. Okay. Um. Yeah, so Christian has eight years 250 for Correa, and I like it. I do. I like it. I think he's going to um, more, though. I could see 10 for 300, but I like 8 for 250, personally, a, a bit more. Yeah, me too, but I, I think he's going to get more. Like, I think he's going to get 10 for 300. He's got the Phillies as the top landing spot for Carlos Correa. I mean, perfect. Perfect. You're talking about that Philly energy, too? Correa's got it. You need defense? Correa's got it. You need playoff success after that World Series run where the bats kind of went silent. Correa's got it. This is a match made in heaven for the Philadelphia Phillies. If I'm Dave Dombrowski, Brinks truck time. Bring Correa to Philly. I couldn't think of a better fit for that fucking douchebag. And with and that's that's that is as that's as kind as I like that. I mean that in the most sincere, kind way possible. Like it's the good kind of tool, right? Yeah. Confidence in yourself, me against the world. Like I that douchebag gives off like a, a, a rude connotation. I mean it in the nicest way possible. Like this is a, this is a put the glove on and it fits perfectly. This is you wear size 12 shoes and you get that perfect fit like a new balance shoe or something created the Phillies makes all the sense in the world. I'm with you. It makes all the sense in the world. And he does have that, that Philly asshole mentality that, that you kind of need to play for the Phillies. And um, you know, it, it's a lovable asshole. That's the thing. Like yeah. Schwarber was an, uh, or uh, Schwarber has always been a lovable asshole. Like that is what he is. Castellanos is a lovable asshole. Bryce Harper is a lovable asshole. Carlos Correa fits that mold of lovable asshole. And yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of Correa to Philly. The other ones that he's got here are the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. The Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, it's just because the Dodgers have all the money in the world. And if they yeah. let go of Trey Turner, like Correa makes a ton of sense there too, because he's really, really good. And the Dodgers have a lot of money. <laughs> How about Atlanta? If Dansby walks, I don't hmm. know if Atlanta wants to commit that much money to a guy. They have Von Grissom. Like, I think if they're not going to give the money to Dansby, they're going to usher in Von Grissom at shortstop. I think so, too. I think that's that's a fair assumption. Um, yeah. and, and maybe I'm seems, wrong. We've been wrong before, but that just seems most likely. Christian's got Seattle as the dark horse. I kind of dig that, man. I like Correa to Seattle much more than I like Bogarts to Seattle, no doubt. Still young. By the time Correa, or by the time J-Rod is really in MVP form, which honestly could be next year, but it's still, I'm thinking like 24, 25 years old. That's when, you know, you're still going to have 30, 31 year old Carlos Correa. I think, I think the move to Seattle makes a lot more sense than a Bogarts move because they need a shortstop. Like they need a bona fide defensive minded shortstop. He's very analytically driven. Like we've seen Carlos Correa bag on Derek Jeter because of the defensive run safe. I think he's the only MLB player who ever like talks about that. Like, that's a Depoto move, right? A guy who buys into the analytics. That makes so much more sense to me. Yeah, I, I could see it. But if I was a betting man, uh, Correa, I Correa to the Phillies. I like eight years, 250 for Correa to the Phillies. I love it too. Whatever the dollar amount is, Phillies. Perf. Uh, let's wrap with Trey Turner here. 
I think he's the best one on the market, dude. Me I mean, this guy's going to get a $300-plus million deal. If Corey Seager got 10 for 325, I don't see how Trey Turner can't put 10 for 325 on the table and say, match it, and we'll start talking. Trey Turner is one of the best overall players in Major League Baseball. Like, yes. I want to get that, like, on in writing, on the record, whatever however you want to say it. I want that. Put to my name. He is one of the best overall players in this sport. He does everything. Definition of a five-tool guy. Maybe the arm, I guess, isn't five-tool, but like, and maybe the defense isn't either because he's had had, um, you know, especially in the playoffs, there have the defensive concerns have been there. But if we're talking about speed, he's one of the fastest. He might be the fastest overall player in baseball. If we're talking about power, he's got 30 home run pop. If we're talking about batting average, he's won a batting title. You know, he's consistently a 300 hitter. Um, you know, it was great. Jeff Passan tweeted out a um, a kind of a um, a Trey Turner sizzle reel um, narrated by John Ham, which is electric. You guys got to go check that out. Just look it up on YouTube. Look up um, or just go to Jeff Passan's Twitter. Go find it. Like where Trey Turner is ranked in F war. Like he is second to Aaron Judge in the past couple of seasons. Um, he is one of the only shortstop who has a three hundred batting average. Like the next last one was Jeter. Like he is that type of player, and he will command similar type money to Lindor and Tatis. The only reason why he might not actually get there is only because of his age. Yeah. He's 30. Yeah. It's hard to pay somebody for their age 40 season as a shortstop. And I don't think any team can do it. Especially a guy who relies on speed. I know he's a great hitter and, but he's how will, how long will 80 speed last? I mean, we, we, you know, it's not impossible. Brett Gardner, was Shut 30 up. Shut years up. old. No, no, I'm just I'm just talking about how the speed lasted. No, That's all I'm talking about. You're you're not allowed to say Brett Gardner's name on a top four shortstop episode. All I'm comparing is that some guys the speed is still there. And it is, it was still there with Brett Gardner. And I don't think Trey Turner is just going to become like a fat slob as he gets into 36, 37 years old. I still think the speed will be there. Um, So we could see Cray get more money because he is younger, even though Trey Turner at this current juncture is a better overall baseball player. Okay. I'm with you. Um, So Christian also did Trey Turner seven years, 230. I think that's a little low. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little low. I could see I could see like for that he gave eight years two fifty. I could 30, still see that. It's 32. that makes more sense. And I would give Correa like 10 for 300. Yeah. Um 32.8 is the AAV for Turner, if that's the case. Correa in his one plus one plus one had 35.1. If I'm Trey Turner and I'm signing a seven year deal, I need 35 million dollars a year. Or 35 more. times seven is two forty five. Give me seven years two fifty. What what would be an eight year deal for that? Two forty five plus another thirty five. What that's eight for two seventy? Two eighty. Two eighty. Get better at math, Peter. Eight eight for two eighty. That that feels like something he could get. I wouldn't be shocked, and I would give him that. He is a fucking dog. He is a dog. I love uh, I love him. If he demands the eight year eight years, I say eight for two seventy five. Makes sense to me. Let's talk about teams that could do it. The Philadelphia Phillies could do it. Yeah, they definitely could do it. Makes a lot of sense there. I just, you know, a lot of the same reasons um, that I like Carlos Correa, like some of those reasons apply to Trey Turner, but I have another team in mind for Trey. Actually, I really have two teams in mind for Trey Turner, and I just have so much Correa to the Phillies in my mind that I almost didn't really consider the Phillies, even though, of course, it makes sense. So what I will say to to just, like, make this a viable option is – um, Trey Turner offers some defensive versatility. He can play second. Help. We've seen him play center before. He's better so, at second. So if you like Stott at short, you could yeah. sign Turner to play some short, play some second, play some center, move Brandon Marsh uh, a little bit around. You know, like there, there is some more fun to be had with Trey Turner defensively than Correa, but it feels like Correa is a Philly. So the next team, which I fucking love, oh my God, sign me up is the St. Louis Cardinals. Greg Amsinger came out and um, he kind of fired me up about this was like Trey Turner is that guy. And Trey Turner makes so much sense on the Cardinals for 
so many different reasons, kind of similar to the way that Cray makes sense in Philly. Trey Turner plays St. Louis Cardinals baseball, bat to ball, doesn't strike out, ton of speed, dynamic. And also what you have Trey Turner on the left side of the infield, right? Nolan Arenado solves a lot of problems. Paul Goldschmidt over at first base solves a lot of problems. I think if Trey Turner went into St. Louis and maybe he, you know, those defensive metrics, I mean, having Freddie Freeman over there, but again, having Justin Turner on your left side doesn't help you that much anymore like it once did. So Trey Turner having Nolan Arenado to your left and throwing over to Paul Goldschmidt, you'll see those defensive metrics tick up. That's why defensive metrics are so tough. Like sometimes they're very dependent on the other guys on the field. But regardless, that's the conversation for another time. Trey Turner should be a St. Louis Cardinal. And the only caveat to this, the only caveat is what do they think of Mason Wynn? And honestly, a second caveat is the Cardinals have not proven that they are likely to spend enormous amounts of money on deals like this, especially when they need starting pitching. But no, go ahead. No, I mean, they, they kind of spent it on Goldschmidt and Arenado. Yeah, no, they did. But remember they traded for Arenado too. They did give him the extension. You know, they traded, didn't they trade for Paul Goldschmidt? No, they, they signed, signed Paul Goldschmidt. They signed Paul Goldschmidt. Um, yeah, I mean, they've done it before, but it doesn't always seem like the Cardinals, like, when's the last $300 million deal they've ever done? Uh, no, they, they ever they done that? They traded for Paul Goldschmidt? December. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Huh. I don't remember that. <laughs> Here, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who came back. Um, um but yeah, I, I do like the mix and I, I want to walk you through the opening day starting lineup. If Trey Turner does end up as a St. Louis Cardinal here, uh, traded to St. Louis in 2018 for Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, yeah. Andrew Young, and a 2019 comp round B pick. Um, I'm back. But it. <laughs> as it. I pull up roster <laughs> resource here with Trey Turner in the fold is the opening day shortstop. This is what the St. Louis Cardinals would look like. Lars Newtbar in right, um, Trey Turner at short, Paul Goldschmidt at first. Wait, Nolan I love Arenado how you started. Third. You started with Lars Newtbar in right when they have Tyler O'Neill. No, I just think it's it's just funny. It's like no, but Cardinals fans are gonna love that. Like uh, when you're listed roster resource, Lars Newtbar in right, <laughs> Trey <Yeah>. Turner, <laughs> Newtbar in right, uh, Turner at short, Goldschmidt at first, Arenado at third, Tommy Edmond at second, Tyler O'Neill in left. Juan Yepes DHing, Dylan Carlson in center, Andrew Kinzer is the catcher, and Brendan Donovan is the super utility man. Hard yeah. to find you a better put, lineup. And if you're worried a little bit about Trey Turner's defense, put Tommy Edmond there. He could win a gold glove at shortstop, but then you could put Trey Turner over at second too. He provides that positional versatility, which again, the Cardinals are built on. Like as much sense as Correa makes sense to the Phillies, Trey Turner makes all the sense in the world. And if you're a prospect guy and you think to yourself, well, we have Mason Wynn, trade Mason Wynn for a starter. Yeah. Like that's what you should do. Go get a go get a quality young arm, trade Mason Wynn. Because you never know what Mason win. You hope to God Mason win is Trey Turner. You would be over the moon excited if you could make Mason win 75% of what Trey Turner is. And maybe he might be. Let him go to another team and figure that out. Go get the starter. It's win now mode. Nolan Arenado is getting older. Paul Goldschmidt is getting older. The window is now St. Louis. The window is now. Go get Trey Turner. Trade Mason win for a starter. And you could be a World Series team. Can I float another idea and don't kill me? Sure. Turn Trey Turner or Mason Wynn into a center fielder. Dylan I like Carlson. Carlson's in I like Carlson a lot. I'm a Carlson guy. I think you get a, a better starter for Carlson right now straight up. I think a one-for-one one Carlson for a top-flight starter makes a lot of sense as opposed to Win and somebody else for a starter. Maybe. Um but like Carlson is such high floor because like he is such a good defensive center fielder. So you're going to teach Mason Wynn to play center field when it's not like, like Mason Wynn at the plate, like is very, very good, but we haven't seen what he's like against big league pitching. He's also so super young. So to put that on a 
shortstop, you're going to now move him to center field and trade in Dylan Carlson kind of off a down year defensively. So I almost feel like you're getting lower value than what a Dylan Carlson would deserve. Like I would trade Mason win now that he's at top value after he had that great offensive season and everybody's seen his arm that he could throw, I think harder than anybody in major league baseball right now, like O'Neill Cruz, like these kind of guys, like that's the type of arm Mason win has. I think this is now when you trade him. Um, I wouldn't trade Carlson because maybe I'm biased and I'm a big Carlson guy, but I also think that Mason Wynn could potentially get you more. And Carlson's already kind of proven. Fair, fair. Um, Atlanta we is should another... talk. About, should talk about the Dodgers. Like the Dodgers are going to get one of these guys, right? Yeah. So like, not? I think I think Trey Turner is going to be a Dodger. If we're being totally, I honest. do. No, honestly, I think he'll be a Dodger, but he makes the most sense in St. Louis. Yes. But, like, we know St. Louis, and Cardinals fans could, I think, would agree with us. Like, do we think they actually do it? No. I would say that they don't. Uh, Atlanta is another possible landing spot, according to Christian Crespo. I don't hate it. I just think Dansby Swanson's a brave. Same thing. Dansby or they go with Vaughn. And we got to make fun of him for putting the Marlins in as a dark horse. I see what he said, though. I understand where he's coming from. Marlins need to make a splash. Um, they have the money. Um, you know, they're overthrowing a lot of people. Um, they got Ozzo Campo now, former Astros guy um, in their front office. He's a, he's a Florida guy, Florida native. Will it happen? Probably not. But do I like the take? I do like the take. I don't want to roast him. I like the take. I might roast him a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I just, I totally understand where he's coming from. And I know Marlins fans are going to be happy that we're even mentioning them. Do you, do you think the Mar? if you saw eight years, 275 Trey Turner and the Miami Marlins, I'd poop my pants. Poop might come out. I'd poop, but not as much poop as you might think. You just, I, I could I'd, see it. I'd pinch. I would so I am a story about me. I am a drooler. Okay. Um, you know, when I sleep, I drool. Like sometimes uh, my my boys from home call me a drooler because I'll laugh and just start drooling. Um, so I might drool. I don't know if I'd poop. But then again, I'd, I drool kind of all the time. Yeah, I'd poop. I'd probably sit upright and that, that gets good flow. Um, yeah, I'd poop. All right, now uh, that people have skipped past this part of us talking about bowel movements and drooling, let's get back to Turner. Eight for 275 with the LA Dodgers. That's my thought. That's also my prediction, but Cardinals fans, like, m- prove us wrong. Please. I'm asking Cardinals please. fans to do it. Like, I'm so, like, I know they can't do it, but if for the if love you of ask God, please. And trade Mason Win and go get a starter. You can do it. We shall see. All right. Those were the four Dansby, Xander, Correa, Turner superstars on the market and we'll keep on rolling off day tomorrow for us peter and aram we'll talk to you guys on thursday and with that thank you everybody